Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Chris Mamula from Can I Retire Yet? Chris is a physical therapist retired at the young age of 41. Yes, that is indeed about 25 years before the traditional age for retirement. But contrary to popular belief, this does not mean that he lived a life of deprivation in order to save and invest aggressively. Chris will share his unconventional journey to this early retirement the excellent financial decisions he made along the way, but as well the serious mistakes, so you can avoid them as well. This conversation is meant to show you one way of achieving financial independence. It may not be your ideal path, but it's important to show you what is possible. This episode is for you if you're curious about financial independence slash early retirement and want to know what it takes to achieve it. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's great to talk to you. Yes, uh, great to have you on and I'm excited to speak to you. We will speak about how you retired at age 41 <laughs> and you made quite some um, yeah, unconventional choices uh, during your life and uh, this has led you to um, achieve this early retirement. And of course, I'm interested in how you achieved it, where all the inspiration come from. But maybe before we, we dive into the topic, can you give us a little introduction of yourself, uh, Chris? Yeah, so I'm Chris Mamula. I write the blog, Can I Retire Yet? And I kind of just chronicle my journey to early retirement and now uh, kind of the highlights and the struggles uh, now that we're in early retirement. Uh, my background, I was a physical therapist, so made an above average salary, but never huge money. And my wife had uh, a career with very parallel earnings uh, throughout. And so again, kind of the same thing, like we had a two income household, but never any huge incomes. And so we did it uh, with relative frugality, as well as growing our incomes over time. And, uh, but yeah, we kind of enjoy, uh, lived a pretty enjoyable life on the path. And uh, once we retired, we moved from Pennsylvania in the Eastern part of the United States to Utah to live in the mountains. Uh, we're big outdoors people. And so now life kind of focuses around uh, being primarily a stay-at-home dad and a ski bum in the winter and a climbing, hiking, mountain bike, biking bum in the summer. And uh, yeah, so life is good. Yeah, that, that's perfect. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to hear how you achieve that because yeah, it's quite, um, I mean, it's quite a young age to be retired huh? when you think about it, Chris. Uh, you know, here in Europe, uh, I think the age is vary between 65, 67, maybe 62 in some countries. Uh, what's the retirement age uh, in in the U.S., 65 or something as well? Yeah, I mean, you can start. Uh, so Social Security is the uh, like the public government program that replaces income in retirement. And you can start claiming it as early as 62 or as 62. late as 70. Yeah. And uh, the vast majority of the population really relies on that program uh, and has very little savings. So, yeah, our lifestyle was pretty unconventional uh, to to do what we did. Yes, indeed. I mean, you basically shortcut uh, retirement by 20 years, uh, even more, 20, 25 years. So yes, when did you start thinking, hey, I want to retire early? I mean, what comes to mind? I mean, I know it's broad, but what comes to mind when you, what sparked this uh, journey, actually? Yeah. So, I mean, there, 
Looking back now, um, a lot of what I write about is honestly kind of revisionist history and putting the story back together because mm-hmm. there was no master plan. Um, what I write about now is kind of referred to as fire financial independence, retire early. Uh, that didn't really, it wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> the internet was barely a thing back then to find these stories. <laughs> and honestly, like, even if I heard them, I would kind of be skeptical, like, because mm-hmm. I didn't think normal people, like, with normal jobs like us could retire. I mean, I thought early retirement was maybe. 58, 60, something like that. Uh, So it basically started for us with security. Um, My wife grew up without having a whole lot of financial security her whole childhood. And I grew up in a house where my mom was really good at stretching a dollar, but we didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so as we went through college and got out, uh, it was really important for me, just because my mom kind of and dad, I guess, uh, kind of beat it into me that to be anti-debt, to get out of debt quickly. And for my wife, uh, she was on board because she just wanted a different way of life. So Uh, What we did is she graduated uh, one year ahead of me. And so she was making a a entry-level salary of mid $30,000. And I was still in grad school and I was working, uh, making maybe $10 or $12 an hour. And we just kind of agreed to live off of whatever she was making. And then I was helping get her out of student loan debt and a car loan uh, with everything I made. And by the time I made my first or second like professional paycheck, we were completely debt-free and we were pretty happy living off of her salary. And so we just thought, why not continue? So we we continued to live off of her salary and we used mine to save for a down payment on a house. And then eventually we started rolling that into an investments. And really for 15 years, we lived off of one salary and we completely saved one. And, uh, and that's kind of how we got to where we were in position to be able to uh, at least be thinking about retirement by like our late 30s, early 40s. Wow. So so you started really at the start of your career. So like in, uh, in your early 20s, like 22, 23, something like that. Yep. Yeah. For my wife, uh, she graduated with a bachelor's, so she was probably like 21, 22. And okay. I had a master's, so I was like 23, 24. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well that's uh, kind, of, kind of impressive because, you know, when you're that age, at least I remember when I was that age, it's, uh, I mean, either you're a student still or you, uh, you start your career. But then when you have your first salary, I mean, what you think about is, yeah, I can now spend my money. It's my money. And then you already started to think about Yeah, putting it to good use, putting your money to good use, and as well, having this idea of uh, we will save one income and we will uh, spend one income. Yeah, and and I certainly remember like my best friend in physical therapy school, um, the first thing he did is went out and bought a a big brand new pickup truck and (laughs) he was really proud of it. And uh, another uh, girl who we were good friends with, she went out and bought an Audi and was really proud of it. And and like, honestly, I don't know what made us go so against the grain other than I, I honestly think, like, I think a lot of people think you have to come from money to become, you know, wealthy or even consider yeah. something what we're doing, uh, which I don't really consider us super wealthy, but compared to the world, I guess we are. Uh, but um, yeah, like, I think it was really just security for us. And I think that was yeah. growing up without a ton of wealth and resources and travel and all these things. It actually kind of made it, I think, easier for us because we were living at least as good as we lived growing up. And we just valued that security more than we valued the fancy car or the most expensive house we could afford. Yes, indeed. And uh, it, it makes sense huh, from a psychological point of view. But then as well, how do you find this recipe? I mean, how do you think about, yeah, I'm going to save one half. I think, okay, it's, it's going to be explained. But then how do you um, live in your area? I mean, you mentioned Pennsylvania. I don't know if that's where you, you were when you, um, when, you get to, when you were a young couple. Was it affordable to live there? I mean, I don't know, the cost of living in general. Did you, was it possible to live on, a, on this uh, salary, on this one salary? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think we, uh, in some ways, like you mentioned, like our life was kind of unconventional, but in, in a lot of ways it was actually fairly conventional in that mm-hmm. um, we went and uh, we bought a house shortly after we were married, which is, I think what most people do, yeah. but like what most people do, at least in the States, like you, you tend to meet with a real estate agent and they'll have you go to a bank and you get pre-approved and they say, okay, you can afford X dollars a month of mortgage payment. And then they kind of back into, by that, you can afford X dollar of house. And then magically the agent starts taking you to the houses that are in that range. <laughs> and we kind of said, like, you know, like, this is what we want to spend. Like, this is what we're comfortable. And we just bought, uh, I guess, much less house than you could quote mm-hmm. unquote afford. And, and Pitts, we were in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was where we bought our first house. And that's, it's a major city, like has major league sport teams and everything, but it's on the lower end for big cities as far as costs. So it was more affordable than say San Francisco or New York city. Uh, but it also was not like, you know, some backwoods place with, you know, uh, super ultra cheap living by any Mm -hmm. means. And, um, okay. So then on the big expenses, like the house, you, you went far below, let's say, no, I mean, not far below, but you went below your means, what you could afford actually. So that's Mm -hmm. a, a one really big move. But then in your daily life, uh, how is that translated? Do you also save here and there, go to the cheapest supermarkets or did you travel less? What did you do to as well save money there? No. So I, I think, so housing was, uh, in, if you, at least in the States, that's most people's biggest expense. And then mm-hmm. the second is transportation cars primarily. Yeah. And, and again, we kind of just, we had old kind of crappy cars, but they work, they ran. And so we didn't go out and buy new cars and, and we've um, never really had a car payment since we've been married. My wife had a car payment when we were, that was one of the things, the debts we had to get out of. But since that point, we've never had a car payment. And so really we focused on those biggest expenses of housing mm-hmm. and cars. And I don't, cons- like, it's kind of funny. We, we were introduced because um, we met through a, a Facebook group and you said you were looking for stories of frugality. And where I think my story is kind of interesting is yeah, we've lived off of one income, but like we've actually lived a pretty amazing lifestyle, A, because we got those big expenses so right mm-hmm. that we didn't really worry about the little things. Like we weren't clipping coupons, we weren't okay. skipping vacations, stuff like that. And then the other part of it is because we locked in those expenses, like particularly housing, like once you have a 30-year mortgage and with a fixed rate, um, that's a fixed expense. And then we grew both of our salaries. So we started in the mid-30s, but we grew where we were both maxing out around 80 or 90,000. So we were able mm-hmm. to as we still lived on one salary, we were still able to inflate our lifestyle pretty nicely. And then we were saving even more money on top of that. So it, it worked out really nice by getting it right from the very beginning and locking in those expenses. That's kind of cool and impressive. But yeah, you if you lock in the that uh, mortgage early, then yeah, it's 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 very easy. I mean, it, it's it sounds easy. <laughs> so, uh, but but then of course, what we say usually, I mean, if you talk with people in the in the personal finance space, you can save as much as you want, but then of course you need your money to work for you. So what money moves did you make in the, when talking about investments, uh, Chris? <laughs> so <laughs> as, as smart as I probably sound up to this point for getting all these big decisions <laughs> so right, I'm going to sound really stupid next, but ah. <laughs> um, we just kind of, we kind of bought in like hook, line and sinker into the idea that investing is difficult and tax planning mm-hmm. is difficult and you need to hire a professional to help you. So um, basically, um, I kind of mentioned like my parents, they didn't probably combined. They made as much as either my wife or I made. So, okay. And they did well. They were able to help my brother and I through college. They were able to retire securely. So we assumed like they must have a financial advisor that really knows what he's doing. 
And so we asked them who they used and we went to him and that was the extent of the questions we asked. And uh, in retrospect, 15 years later, after making a lot of mistakes, we found out that they did really well in spite of their advisor because my mom was very frugal and and they were just uh, very smart in other ways with their money. But we made a lot of investing mistakes. And that's really what kind of got me into writing about this topic is uh, I kind of felt like I had a gift and that I would be able to help uh, other people. Because as I talk to people, I realized most people feel overwhelmed by investing. Mm-hmm. And as I kind of got into it, I, I could really relate to that because uh, I did not get everything right <laughs> at all when it came to investing and tax planning. I made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so I found that that was very helpful as I was able to uh, teach other people and make it accessible to them. Yeah. Uh, and can you give a, share a few examples of uh, the errors you made and a few common errors maybe that uh, you help your um, audience with? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is in investing, um, if you read the work of John Bogle, who founded Vanguard, which is a a very big advisory, uh, a big uh, investment firm uh, that really focuses on the clients first. And and, uh, he's actually by some people called like St. Jack. And there's (laughs) a website called the Bogle Heads of just people that are just so loyal to him. And Mm -hmm. because he's done so much for the average investor, but he really emphasizes that costs are the one one of the very few things that you can control as an investor. And when you're going to a investment advisor, um, those costs are that's how they make their living. And so your interests are to have your costs as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Their interest is to make the costs as high as possible uh, without you know making you making it so obvious and blatant that you're going to leave. Uh, so we we had very high cost investments. Okay. Uh, one of the simplest things you can do in the states is you use. Uh, we have like uh, retirement accounts um, tied to our work, and it gives you a nice tax benefit. And also, again, going back to costs, we had much cheaper options. And the advisor told us to bypass those and invest with him because he could get us these quote unquote better options through him, which again were better for him. They paid him a lot more, but uh, they were not very good for us. And so, like when when we unwound it all, we realized we were paying about almost ten thousand dollars in fees, and Whoa. we had no idea what we were paying. I I thought yeah. it was maybe. If you asked me to guess high end, I would have guessed maybe $1,000. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we were paying about $10,000 in unnecessary income taxes. And then because we weren't using those tax sheltered accounts, also taxes on our investments. So we were had a drag of about $20,000 a year, which sounds ridiculous, but uh, I promise you it's true. And I have it all broken down in a blog post. uh, But yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad advice that we followed and we made some big mistakes and it wasn't like a one-time thing. It was, I'm talking like a decade plus of this till we kind of got wise to it and figured it out. Mm-hmm. And so then what was your inspiration or where did you find information to get that investment part? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think we, as we kind of were living this frugal lifestyle and, and uh, one of the things that kind of kept us on that path is we kind of got into the outdoor community. And so like, there's this idea of like being ski bums or dirt bags, which mm-hmm. is kind of an affection name for climbers. And so we were just kind of winging it and saving a lot of money. And we were going to kind of switch our lifestyle and move West. Uh, probably this was 2016 or 17 yep. and just kind of wing it, cut back, maybe work part-time, maybe get jobs at a ski resort or something. And then we found out, we didn't think we could have kids. And we found out my wife was pregnant. And that kind of was the light bulb that changed everything because instead of, um, you know, just winging it and the two of us were, we could figure it out. Now we had another life we were responsible for. And so mm-hmm. I was like, man, I need to get serious. <laughs> and so I started like, like looking into like financial planning and getting serious. And could we actually retire or, or do something to change our lifestyle? And that's when I kind of stumbled upon the fire community, uh, again, financial independence, retire early. And those blogs really changed my life. And, and that kind of inspired me to start writing and sharing my story as well. And then you mentioned fire and then um, 
how did you know or how do you know that you can retire? Because this is 2016. Now we are five years later, and I think you retired in 2017. So how can you know that you can retire? How do you figure that out? Yeah, so I, for, for us, I think, so I, I mentioned that I started blogging to kind of share my experience. So mm-hmm. my original blog was called Eat the Financial Elephant. And the meaning behind that, not, not a very catchy name if you want people to find your blog because nobody's looking for that. <laughs> uh, but um, there was a riddle. Uh, I, was, I was at work as a physical therapist and this one woman had her unruly grandchild. And so I was reading these riddles and highlights, which is this kid's magazine here in the States. And it was, you know, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. And it kind of like, that just took me back because I was like, I was overwhelmed by personal finance. I had no idea what I was doing. And so Eat the Financial Elephant was just my journey to kind of figure this stuff out. And then I I mentioned in the intro that I blog at Can I Retire Yet? And I literally found that blog, like as I started getting serious about fire and early retirement, and I was asking, can I retire yet? I was literally asking that question and I Googled it one day and I found the blog. And um, I thought that was kind of the answer. And what I kind of later realized is, I mean, I think it's good to be in a position where you know you have financial independence and you probably could live forever off of your assets. But what I ultimately determined is like retirement comes with a lot of trade-offs. So I mentioned that we didn't save because we had this great plan. I didn't, we weren't sacrificing. We did it because it felt good. So now we get to the idea of retirement where you're drawing Mm -hmm. down your assets that you work so hard to save. And uh, for both of us, uh, it was terrifying. And I mentioned like my wife grew up without having much financial security and especially for her. And so it kind of got us really thinking. So when we say I'm retired and some people call out and say, you're, you're like not quote unquote, like really retired. Uh, and I really don't care about that. Uh, but like <laughs> right now uh, I work from home. I, I write the blog, I've written a book. So I make a bit of income from that, but like I have basically complete time freedom. We live in the mountains. We do the things we want to do. We have time for our daughter. Uh, my wife works part-time. She works remotely from a company in Washington, D.C. on the east, eastern part of the states. Like I said, we're in Utah in the western states. Mm-hmm. So again, she has just a ton of freedom over her schedule and uh, works remotely. Uh, and so that's kind of what we do now. And so our assets are actually growing in quote-unquote retirement. And uh, we're, I think we have a lot of fulfillment and we're still serving people and connecting with people. Uh, but we actually have that retired lifestyle that we were looking for. So we kind of have the best of all worlds. Mm-hmm. But, but you don't do any more the physical therapy. Um. No, I definitely did retire from that uh, yeah. career. Okay. Like I, I, I left my job in 2017 and um, I maintained, I was kind of wanted to leave that door open uh, just in case I would miss it. And I can't say I missed it at all. So after okay. keeping up my, my continuing education and stuff, I let it go at the end of 2020. So yeah, I've not worked for three years and I've officially retired, I guess, because I don't even have a license anymore as of three or four months ago. And then, of course, now you, you have all that freedom and it's, uh, it's great. And, and you contribute to, um, to the website. And as well, I, I think you, you, you wrote a book. We'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I'm wondering as well, because I read one of your posts. Uh, and then in that blog, it's, it's talking about, it's, it's a five-year-old post. But then you mentioned about, as well, uh, making the, good, the right choices with your big expenses. But as well, uh, you, you mentioned something about the lifestyle and that you, um, that you don't give gifts at Christmas and uh, for birthday. Is that still uh, applicable? <laughs> well, we have, we have an eight-year-old child, and I think that would not pass very oh, okay. well. <laughs> so we definitely give her gifts, and like we help her like make gifts. But yeah, like my wife and I, we just, uh, I don't know. Like we, again, like you kind of asked, like, is there a lot of sacrifice? Are we yeah. scrimping here and there? And we kind of have the things that we want, and we really, I, I guess we don't feel that we want for anything. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say if we give gifts, um, we would tend to maybe like do a trip together and call that a gift or 
maybe like something sentimental or something like that. But yeah, we're definitely not. Um, yeah, we really don't exchange gifts for birthdays and Christmas and things like that. No. Okay, and uh, and for example, you know, going out to the restaurant, it's a pleasure of mine. I mean, going discovering a new dish, discovering mm -hmm. uh, yeah, trying new stuff, even a good wine. Um, is that something that is part of your lifestyle or totally no? I don't do it. It's a uh, It will it will slow down my path to FI or is it? Uh... <laughs> Now we're definitely we're big foodies. Um, okay, cool. Uh, my wife has like a gluten allergy, and so a lot of times it's easier to cook at home. But we, I mean, we cook. We eat mostly organic, uh, very low grain diet. Uh, so no, we spend a lot on food, and when we do go out, we don't tend to go to like the chain restaurants or fast food. Uh, we'll definitely. It's more like a splurge. It's more for the experience. Um, so yeah, we do yeah. like to eat out, but we don't do it oft, often just because in a lot of ways, it's just kind of easier to do things at home. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, I mean, I'm, I don't go every day neither. Right? It's uh, once in a while I like to do, to do that, but I know that in the FI community, sometimes it's, um, you know, all this uh, going out and stuff, it's a bit like, oh no, you should reduce, you should do this and you should do that. So um, yeah, I wanted to ask you because as I saw this uh, a bit shocking a remark <laughs> on the birthday gift. So I was like, oh, come on, that's a bit... Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, so, now, so there, there's, there is this kind of perception of the mm -hmm. fire community that it's like this ultra frugality yeah. uh, and we don't spend money. And so in the, in the book, we mentioned the book and it's called Choose FI and it's based mm -hmm. on, there's a, there's a podcast of that name, um, FI being financial independence again. And so in the, what my idea was for the book uh, was to take all these different people that influenced and helped me and to put together like the best lessons from everybody. So, so that somebody could create their own path. And then as I was contemplating this, uh, two other guys, uh, they started this podcast. And so I reached out to them and we decided to do it. But in, in going through their, and that's what the basis of the book is. Yeah. And in going through their episodes, uh, it was actually not anybody who blogs or really writes about this, but it was a, a listener of the podcast. And he shared this idea of what he called being a valuist. And it really resonated with me. And then we kind of made it a focal point in the book. And so basically how we kind of describe it is instead of being frugal for the sake of frugality, yeah. really kind of be relentless with kind of evaluating your spending decisions and the things that don't bring you value, then yeah, just cut them. Yeah, and so yeah, like, again, yeah. for my wife and I, like gifts are one of those things. Cars are one of those things, but I don't really judge somebody if, if a car is your thing. Yeah. Go buy a car. Yeah. Like for us, travel was our thing. And so on the way to financial independence, I mean, we've, we got into high altitude mountaineering. We climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and we did an African safari. Uh, we were to South America. We climbed 20,000 foot mountains down there. We've been all over the States. We've been to Australia. So like for us, travel was our thing. So we definitely splurged. Like I said, food, we're kind of foodies. Uh, we'll spend mm -hmm. money on that. But then other stuff, if you look at the way I dress, you probably think I'm a bum. <laughs> if you look at my car, <laughs> you would not be envious. Like, so there's certain things and like the stuff that I don't care about. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we look really frugal in some areas, mm -hmm. but then in other areas, uh, yeah, I would, I would say we definitely do not fit that ultra frugal fire uh, stereotype at all. You know, I, I really like this balance because you, it's about being uh, intentional, actually, Chris. Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key. I, and that, so that valueous concept, I really loved it and kind of latched onto it. And, uh, and that's kind of, I think, the best way to explain it. And then, of course, for the listeners, uh, some people are in their corporate job, like myself. Some people are entrepreneurs. But, um, you know, everybody's at different stages in their life. And, you know, when I hear such a story and maybe, It will remind yourself when you heard first about uh, retiring early, you know, people may be a bit skeptical, um, which I guess you, you hear a lot. 
So is it possible for anybody, let's say 25 years old, 35 years old, to really start this journey? I mean, can everybody really achieve financial independence, according to you? I'm going to answer that kind of in a roundabout way, because it's kind of a, I think anybody can. I don't mm -hmm. know that everybody can, because it takes a certain mindset and a certain willingness. Yeah. Um, I mentioned like kind of the reason I wanted to share my story is just because we didn't have this master plan. I did feel overwhelmed for a long time, and I think it's relatable. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of a guy named Roger Bannister. He was the first person ever to run a four-minute mile. And prior to him, it was considered like that was like the limits of human capacity. Like it was not possible to run a mile in less than four minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty remarkable. This was like in the, I think, 1950s when he broke that. And prior to that, it was impossible. It was not a human, uh, something achievable by a human. Within six or eight months, two other guys also broke it. Okay. And then since then, thousands of people have done it. Like if you watch the Olympics this summer, I'm, I'll promise you, you'll see the four minute mile broken. I think it's been broken by like a 50 year old. It's been broken in a high school meet. Uh, and so I kind of really liken physical therapy to that. Like, I don't think anybody can run a four minute mile. I know I can't. Uh, and so I won't say everybody can do it, but it's possible because Roger Bannister broke that barrier and he showed people it's possible. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's what kind of us in the fire community are doing is we're just normal people and we're showing it's possible. And hopefully Somebody listen to the, listening to this will kind of, it'll spark them and say, well, if this guy can do it, like, obviously he had no idea what he was doing with investing. <laughs> obviously he kind of stumbled into the stuff with saving because mm -hmm. of security. Why can't I do it? And, and that's my hope is that it's going to make people think and show them that it's possible. And so, yeah, I think it's possible for anybody, but it's not possible for everybody because not everybody's going to do the things that it takes. Mm -hmm. No, I understand. And really the, the mindset thing is, is really important. It's something we have talked about in previous episodes here as well. And then do you have any advice or like two, three actionable tips that uh, people listening can, uh, can, uh, yeah, can try uh, if they want to achieve early retirement or at least get uh, more advanced with their finances? Yeah, I mean, I think the absolute first step everybody should take, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I kind of hate one-size-fits-all advice, but I think this really works, is you have to be honest with yourself. And you have to know where your money is going. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like stepping on a scale uh, when you you know you need to lose weight, but it's like there's so much judgment that goes into that. And there's so yeah. much just dread of seeing that number. But if you don't know where you're starting and you're not honest with yourself, it's really hard to make improvements. And it's very similar with your finances. So whether it means you get some type of an app, whether that means you just write on a pen and paper or make a spreadsheet, but I, I think it's important to kind of track where every dollar goes. Uh, that's going to allow you to improve. And then this is kind of something that I got from the fire movement that I, it's really blatantly obvious once you hear it, but until you hear it, I, it never occurred to me, but like a lot of people say, how much money do you need to retire? And it's based on what you earn. Yep. And they'll say like, you need 80% of your income or 90% of your income. You need to be able to replace that. And it really, if you just step back and think about it logically, it makes no sense. Like if you're a physician earning $400,000 a year and you have a twin brother who's a garbage man making $40,000 a year, but you grew up the same and you have the same interests and you like to do the same thing. Why would that doctor need 10 times more than the garbage man? You know, it's, it just makes no sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the way people approach it. Cause that's what people say. And you know, the, the, the quote unquote, they say, <laughs> and so whoever they are uh, say you need 90% or 80% of your income. So it all comes down to what you need to retire, what you need to be financially independent is based on what you spend, what you want your lifestyle to look like. And so for all those reasons, I think you have to start with knowing what your spending is now and then 
just kind of, again, just go through without judgment and just say, do I really value these things I'm spending on? Do I want to cut them? Maybe I want to spend more on some of these areas because they bring me a lot of joy and I'm yep. short stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm shortchanging myself in those areas. Uh, but that's where I think you should start. No, these are um, these are excellent, and I yeah I can agree to it. And it's uh, yeah you made a good example with the weight scale. <laughs> I think that's an example that yeah really hits home because then you know you after the Christmas holidays maybe some people, including me, yeah you know it's not always pleasant to to go and step on it. So yeah, it's a uh, this reality check first and then then you can maybe uh, move on further to yeah, accept it and uh, make the right uh, make the right moves yeah and, and again my background is as a physical therapist and there's just there's so many parallels between physical health and financial health and just from the psychological aspects the things that kind of overwhelm people that really shouldn't once you take the time the things that people think are so difficult and if you just do the basic simple things right um, there's just so many parallels like that yeah um, so I, I like to use a lot of those type of analogies okay very good and so chris you're freshly retired and okay now you're still young and uh, active but uh, what's in store for you i mean you you still have uh, yeah quite a, yeah, half of your life to live <laughs> so what will you do with all this free time uh, chris do you have any big projects coming up or uh, anything on on a bucket list that you want to achieve yeah, you know, so I started reading these these fire blogs and retirement blogs in general, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, like the really common advice is, you know, you you should retire, you shouldn't retire from something, you need to retire to something. Correct. Yeah. And I think in general that's good advice, but I think I took it to, <laughs> I took it to a maximum extreme. Like so, I left my job on December first of 2017. That was a Friday. On Monday, December fourth, I started working on my book. Uh, a month later, uh, I started working on this new blog. Five months later, we moved across the country. So in between there, we were cleaning out our house, selling everything we owned, uh, getting rid of the house where we lived for 15 years and all the emotions and memories that go with that. Mm-hmm. And then we moved the whole way across the country and making a whole new set of uh, friends and social network. And I think I kind of took on a little bit too much too quickly. <laughs> and I kind of struggle with the transition. So okay. now I'm just kind of slowing down a little bit. We're actually taking, um, we're really going to kind of, for the first time ever, leverage this lifestyle with COVID. We haven't seen our family on the other side of the country for a long time. So we, we're we renting a camper van. Uh, we're taking uh, about eight or nine days to drive across the country. We're going to spend over two weeks with our family. We'll take eight or nine days coming back. And we're just kind of blocking off the next month. Um, and, and once we get back, um, I'll be working on the blog. And that's kind of taking a lot of my focus and just still focusing on being a dad and just getting out and adventuring and, and kind of taking life as it comes at us. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. Well, Chris, uh, thank you very much for this, um, this sharing your story and this advice. I think it's very good. And uh, yeah, I'm um, excited to, to share this uh, with the listeners. So Chris, uh, as you may know, uh, we always have our three quick fire questions before we close the show. So are you ready? I am ready. I think. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> So, Chris, uh, question number one is, what is your best investment so far? Uh, For us, it's absolutely been our education. Um, So my wife and I, we both ended up having three college degrees. And we we did that with very minimal debt because we were very intentional about how we got Mm -hmm. them and how we were going to pay for them. And then even beyond the formal degrees, um, like I said, like once we realized the mistakes we were making with our investments, uh, I just probably spent about three to six months and just read every book I could, every blog I could, and kind of dove into that and took control of our investments. And that's, again, we kind of mentioned, but 
probably saves us ten or twenty thousand dollars a year. And then just learning to blog, developing new skills, and and the relationships that come with it. I mean, I think we're just lifelong learners, and so I think that that's something that's by far been our best investment. It's paid many times with any money or time that we've put into it. Yeah, sure, sure. That's um, yeah, education uh, always pays off in a way or another, so that's good. And then talking about, you read a lot of blogs, but books uh, you mentioned. So number number two is, what is the best book uh, you can recommend to anyone? It does not need to be a financial book, but uh, yeah, please. Uh, what is the book you say, read this? <laughs> yeah, I read really widely. And that, that was a tough question because there's so many good books. But um, <laughs> I think the two that I go back to, and actually, it's actually funny, I just requested one of these um, for our trip. Uh, but the two are, are Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And mm -hmm. there's a book by a woman named Byron Katie called Loving What Is. And um, the thing that they have in common, they're very different books, <laughs> very different people. Uh, but the thing that they have in common is just kind of acknowledging that there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen to you in life that you have zero control over, uh, but you can control your response to it. And mm -hmm. I think the reason I return to those books and I read at least one of them every year and, and sometimes both of them in a year uh, is I certainly need that reminder uh, for myself. And I think most people do. So I think those are just great books about um, making the best of whatever life is throwing at you at that moment and knowing that you always, you can't always control what happens, but you can control your response to it. Yeah. Okay. Very good. I'll, um, I'll look it up myself. I, I didn't hear of uh, these books, so I'll, uh, I'll look it up and I'll link it in the show notes. And then last question is what is a purchase you can recommend for under a hundred dollars? Um, so I mentioned I'm a big book, uh, book nerd, and that's probably, um, that's probably the easy answer, but I'll, I'll say like, since we moved here to Utah, so we grew up in, uh, we, our daughter, we had her and we're starting to raise her in Pennsylvania where there is hills. And then we came out to Utah where there's big mountains. And when she started trying to ski out here, she was just in, totally intimidated. And, and again, one of our non-frugal habits were big skiers. And we kind of got her into it, I think from when she was two years old. Mm -hmm. And so we put her in after school lessons and it was, I, I think it was about a hundred bucks and probably a little bit less for like four lessons. And man, getting out there with somebody who's not mom and dad, who you'll actually listen to, it just got her mojo and her confidence back. And we just had such a good season after that. And then since then, she's like, she tears up the mountain and she's eight now and absolutely loves it. So yeah, I think like purchases like that, where you're investing in um, something that's going to allow you to really enjoy the things that you like to enjoy and have her enjoy them versus dragging her to the mountain. That was a huge, yeah. uh, huge and great investment for us. Oh, perfect. If she loves it, even better. Awesome. Yes, yes, she does now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, well, Chris, um, thank you again. And then where can the listeners find you? You mentioned, of course, your blog, Can I Retire Yet? You wrote a book yet. Tell us where they can find you. Yeah, so my home on the internet is is the blog, Can I Retire Yet? It's canireretireyet.com. And uh, I have a contact on there. I actually like connecting with readers and listeners. And uh, so feel free to reach out to me there. And my book is called Choose FI, Your Blueprint to Financial Independence. And again, that was written in partnership with the guys who do the Choose FI podcast. And we just feature um, a lot of people who have, have done something similar to what I've done as far as being able to achieve financial independence quickly. And we kind of condensed it down into the principles that allow you to pick and choose uh, what's worked for other people so you can create your own path to financial independence. And you can find that on Amazon or anywhere you would buy books. Yeah, very good. And I, of course, I visited your website and there's a lot of information out there. So no, it's uh, very complete and there's a few calculators and tools that you can use as well to calculate your, uh, uh, yeah, your path to financial independence, uh, retirement, really a lot of interesting articles on yeah, retirement, investing in real estate, et cetera. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for the kind word and thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Okay, see you, Chris. All right, take care now. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, it is normal to be skeptical, but early retirement is possible if you have a regular job. You do not have to come from money. You will need to go against the grain and make unconventional choices. For example, living on one salary and saving the other one. Buy less house than you can afford. Define what you want to spend. You do not need to take on the full mortgage you're allowed to buy your banker. Transportation. Chris and his wife were driving crappy cars and uh, kept the car payments low. This may be for you or not, but anyway, that's a way to achieve it because this is a big expense. And talking about this big expenses, focus on getting those right early on, and then you can worry less about the little things. Number two, on investing, control your costs. Number three, be a valuist. You do not need to be ultimately frugal in everything. You can focus on purchasing the things that bring value to you, and then you forget the rest. Number four, anybody can achieve early retirement. Not everybody will. It takes a certain mindset and willingness. As Chris mentioned during the episode, we are normal people. It is possible. If this guy can do it, why can't I do it? That's the whole point of this conversation. And then number five, how to retire early. The first step is to be honest with yourself and see where your money is going. So really make the effort of looking at your expenses and track them. Number two, figure out how much you need to retire. And it is not as simple as 80% of your income as they (laughs) say. So yeah, think about what you want your lifestyle to be. And this will help you define what you need exactly. And then, of course, there's one big question that you need to ask yourself because you can decide to retire from your job or whatever. But you need to as well think about what do you want to retire to. And that is key. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback. Send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.